Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Yesterday. I still feel like I am a young adult. We're middle-aged, babe. Yeah. It's okay. Young adult at heart. But we start thinking about, like, you know, sitting in the seats where you are. And I don't know what the age range is, but I thought it was would be really important for us to share a little bit of our story and where we came from and how do we land here. How do we get the privilege to to be able to speak to you guys, to share a few things that God has placed in our heart. I grew up in Stevens Point. I have sped past this church so many times. That's not funny. (laughs) Okay, confession. Okay, I forgive me, Pastor Matt. I I know you did. I remember too. But as a young man, I... I, uh, I grew up in the church. I had this moment at a camp, and again, much, and I'm going to admit that I, that I relate to Andy here because I am Andy. But I was sitting at a camp, and I, and I remember seeing about probably 70 or 100 leaders standing in front of Kevin Alter, front of stage uh, scenario like this, and I felt like God placed in my heart at a very young age, at a very, a very young boy, saying you could do that. And that was the first little seed. That was the first little investment in my life to that, that like memorable moment that would eventually get me to this place. But because I'm human and, and at that point I wasn't maybe uh, ready to make a decision, somewhere around 15, 16, 17 years old, I started uh, really honestly making decisions to, to move away from God. Uh, at a very um, uh, or a very formative years of my life, I picked up a thing called a snake board. Anybody ever heard of that? <laughs> it's kind of like the ripstick. Well, anyway, I, I became a professional snake boarder at, at 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. And with that, it pulled me in certain directions that I was not ready to go into a depth. And I remember in my junior year of high school, I was high, I was drunk, um, and quite honestly, just stoned out of my mind. And there was a moment when I was sitting in the chalet in the upper peninsula of Michigan at this place, and I felt like God placed in my heart just a simple whisper, and that whisper was, you shouldn't be doing this. And that was one of my very first moments where everything changed. And that whole night, I literally cried out to God, and I said, God, if you get me out of this, I will live my life for you. If you save me, I will live for you. And I cried out all night. I honestly thought I was going to die. I was, you know, just, you know, a lot of people have different terms of potentially what it was or what, but I know what it was. And it was me being set aside outside of what I would say, the love of Christ and the confines and the fence that I was within and the loving admiration of the father in heaven. And he said, I felt like God said to me, which, you know, this is me thinking back. Not at the moment. I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I felt like God said, Hey, if you want the world, have the world. Because up to this point, I was letting you kind of like, like you were with me, but if you want to do that, then go. And that's, I cried out and I said, God, get me out of this. Get me out of this. Anyway, I woke up. 
This would have been December 1996, 1995. It was 19, December 1995 or 1994. And I was sober. I, I could think. I could process. I could understand what was going on. And that was the first day of the rest of my life. And since then, there has not been a drip of alcohol. There hasn't been any kind of dealing with those kinds of uh, addictions or desires. And, and that day really just set this this path for me to just say, God, you know what? I will take every uh, step day by day by day. And over the process of, of <laughs> you know, 20-some years here, man, God is just refining me, uh, and uh, it's been amazing. So, Christy. Yeah, so my story is a little different, but I wanted to share it with you guys tonight. And one thing that Andy and I want you guys to write down, if you take notes or put it in your phone, is there, there's four words and you're going to hear us talk a lot about it. And with our church, these four words came to us probably a year ago. And at the time, we didn't know we were going to be starting a church. But they are just what we're all about. And even Andy's jacket has one of the words on it. But the four words are robbed, rescued, restored, repeat. So robbed, rescued, restored, repeat. And we're just going to essentially break that down for you guys tonight. And I'd love it as we're talking, if you guys want to circle maybe where you're at right now or what God's speaking to you about with those words on what stage you're at. Um, so just be processing. And as we're sharing our story, we really believe that this, our story is for you guys tonight. And so I am 37 years young. Mm-hmm. Young adult. Young adult. Woo! But... um. No, I love young adult ministry. I love hanging out with young people. I always say we did youth ministry for 15 years, hanging out with the youth, the youth of the nation, if you guys know POD from back in the day. Pretty amazing band. But they, you know, you guys remind me to stay young, but also remind me how old I am. It's good. It's good. Just like parenting. But no, I, was, I just want to honor my family. I grew up in an awesome home. I'm the oldest of three girls. We have three girls ourselves now, so I'm living deja vu every day. And I grew up in Red Wing, Minnesota, if you've heard of the Red Wing boot, the Red Wing pottery. You know, small town like Stevens Point, awesome river town, a lot of similarities. And I grew up in a home where we went to church. Church was a part of our life, and my parents did the best that they could. And they're loving parents. They provided an amazing childhood for me. But one thing that was missing in our home was talking about God and asking the questions and just bringing, I'd say, Jesus into the home. You know, we prioritized church, but we weren't a family. And maybe you guys have grew up, grew up in a home like this, but we didn't pray as a family. We didn't pray out loud. I grew up where we prayed to ourselves. And, you know, I, we didn't even pray before meals. We didn't have Bibles out ever. My mom would teach a confirmation class, like a Bible class, and I knew there was more. And so in high school, I had the opportunity to attend a camp. And it was in Iowa. And I went with a couple of my classmates. And I had never experienced God in, in a way like I did at this camp. And I remember people raising their hands and singing. And we did popcorn prayer where you'd squeeze. And if you want to pray, you pray. If you don't, you squeeze the next person's hand. And, of course, I squeeze. I'm like, I am not praying out loud. That's scary. But I had this moment where I, we sang, you know, so because of our age, we sang a song called Shout to the Lord. Darlene Check. Oh, yeah. Classic. Step by step, if you know it. Both of those. And I just, no, babe, Christy doesn't sing, and you know that. 
vocal cord nodules. It's a thing. So we're, I'm at this camp and I have this encounter with God and I experienced him where I just, I just, you know, the goosebumps and all the things. And at the time I didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit working in me. And so I attended that camp two summers in a row, but I just didn't have any takeaway. I didn't know what to do when I went home. And maybe you guys have grown a lot in like in Stevens Point or you go places and you just don't know how, how do I get this when I go back home? And that was me. And so I had that hole in my heart, but I didn't know what to do. So fast forward, I'm a freshman in college and I go to UMD, University of Minnesota Duluth, and I straight up picked the school because of the budget. It was the most affordable school and I got accepted. Let's be honest, I got accepted. (laughs) And so I go to the school and instantly I'm emerged into dorm life. And I don't know if you guys have lived on campus of colleges before, but it's a little on the cray side. And so I had, you know, I was that 18 year old girl And I was doing things my way, and I had my agenda, and I had found myself as an 18-year-old on my own just with a plan, Christy's plan. Like, I'm going to do this my way. These are the things I want to do. I want to go into advertising marketing. I want to move away from Minnesota. When I'm done with school, I don't want to go home. My parents make every mistake. You know, I was just in the blaming. Like, everyone else is making the mistakes around me, but it's not me. And I ended up, you know... Going to school, a hot mess is how I refer to it. And I had a lot of baggage. And I had, you know, been in a lot of unhealthy relationships at that point, too, that had brought me to this, like, broken point when I was a freshman, um, which I didn't touch on. But, like, I dated, from 14, I dated guy after guy after guy. I was never single more than 30 days. It was it was really great sarcasm. <laughs> And so I would break up with the guy, and then who can I go on a date with? And I just was playing that teenage game. You know, you got to date to see who's the perfect guy. And, you know, and I'm social, and it's just fun. And, and I just would always downplay the toxic life that I was living. And then drinking, you know, I'm just a teenager. I'm just drinking for fun. I'm not, like, drinking every day, but, you know, I'm getting wasted here and there. It's cool. That's what people do. And so I get in the dorms, and it's, like, guys everywhere, alcohol everywhere. I'm seeing drugs for the first time. And I'm just like, is this what it's going to be? You know, and, and it's a funny thing when you're living like in the cultural norm of like college life. And for me, it was like, I would, you know, you party or you're with a dude and, or I just was making, you know, bad decisions. And then the real Christy was so broken and so lost and so just robbed. And I just like, when I would be alone, whether it was like going to bed late at night, drunk, or sober, I would just weep, you know, and I was so depressed at one point, I would like journal every day a tally mark of how many days in a row I would cry, and I remember just days of tears, but then, you know, I'd put on the face, and I'd be outgoing, Christy, and this is so much fun, and so I just was like entering the super toxic life, and of destruction, and by the grace of God, I saw banners all over our school for free pizza, and who knows, college students like free food, the best. And so free pizza and root beer kegs, 1919 root beer, not point, sorry. And so I go to this free pizza party on a Friday night, and it was a campus ministry called Chi Alpha. And I step foot in the doors, and it's overhead projector days, you know, overhead projector worship. It's great. And they're singing what song? Shout to the Lord. And so I see this song, and they're singing, and I instantly was like, I'm home. And I knew it was going to be my place. I knew it was like where God wanted me, but I didn't know what to do. And so for me, like I didn't have this 
moment in my walk with the Lord where it was like that day in September of 1999, everything changed and I didn't keep going down this road. Unfortunately, I walked, I kept walking in that toxic life for probably about a year and a half. And, but still, I feel like the best way I can describe it is I was living two lives. Like I had all of my Christian friends. I was going to Bible study. I was emerged in campus ministry and church and like doing all the like good things. But then I would walk right back into my dorm room or my second year I lived with four girls and it would just be the toxic life. I would be in a church service, get home. That was the best moment ever. Like I, I heard from God and you know, I'm, I can do this. And then within an hour I was wasted. It was just, I just could not get past it. And it was just this cycle. And so it's like, I was like robbed and like struggling. And then God would rescue me. God, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then I would go robbed and then I would be rescued again. And I don't know if you guys have experienced that or whatever you've struggled with. Mine was guys and alcohol. And I just kept struggling and like, there has to be more, but I didn't know what to do. And for me, it was small decisions that I made to set me up for the full restoration. And that's what we want to talk about tonight is it is the little small steps, the hundreds of small steps you guys take will lead up to the biggest changes in your life. And for me, it was, Christy, you can't live with these people. Like I thought I was Jesus. Like I'm here, I'm committed to them. Like they need me. No one else is there for them. You know, and I know who's going to be sober cab. Who's going to be there for them. They're coming to me and I'm holding them when they're crying. But it's like, like coming into your house when there's drugs everywhere and there's a lot of illegal activity. And I mean, my roommate was pregnant, dating the biggest drug dealer in our city. Like there was just like toxic, unhealthy stuff going down. And it's like, and God was like, Chrissy, who you know, it's like we say it to our kids, you know, like our home is so important, right? And your sanctuary and all of that. And so sophomore year, I decided I'm going to live with the girls that got my back. And I'm going to come clean with this secret life I'm living because I just didn't want anyone to know. And so it took me confessing and letting it all out like a waterfall and letting people in. And guess what they did? They loved me. They loved me through it, and I just kept thinking they were going to judge me or quit on me, and they walked through that with me. And so I moved out, and I lived with my three roommates. We were the pie girls. We didn't eat pie. It was just our nicknames. I don't know. It's a long story. And to this day, 20 years later, people refer to that house as the pie house. It just kept becoming, it was like a Christian girl apartment that people just kept moving into. But it was my home environment. It was me saying no to the parties. And I think it's like, you got to have an action plan. If you want to like get out of a situation or like your old ways, you got to have a plan. You got to tell people who's your community, you know, who are your five closest friends. Um, I needed to have a backup plan. I needed to be strong. And I'm not saying the days were just like, oh, now my life's perfect. But it was those little decisions that I made And do you have insert? Looks like you do. No? Sure. (laughs) What do you got, babe? So what what Christy's trying to tell you is this, is being a part of church and ministry and mentoring people, working with young people just like you, we have seen a cycle. Mm -hmm. We love singing the song that we sung tonight, Jesus, I love you. Can I tell you something that that might hurt a little bit? A 
a lot of us, we just really love the idea of Jesus loving us. And I kind of wonder if you actually love Jesus. Oof. That's stepping on a few toes. Because the difference between the ideal Jesus and the actual Jesus is you follow the actual Jesus. He comes into your situation where you're robbed, and he says, come follow me. But a lot of us, what we do is we're like, no, God, I really like the grave in which you found me. I've got this comfortable bed, and I've got this comfortable person, and i got this comfortable drink. But he says, come follow me. And we have a very difficult time to do that. What Christy was saying is this. For her to start getting traction in her life, to, to finally start walking into the restoration that Jesus ordains for your life, it took her submitting to Jesus and humbling herself. Because for the longest time, she was like, no, I got this. No, I can be the savior of the world. I can fix this. But the reality is, is what Jesus wants you to do when he walks into your life is fully surrender. And say, no, I can't do this. I think when I was high, drunk, and stoned, out of my mind, and I was crying out to God, that was the moment when I said, God, I know I can't do this anymore. And that was the moment where I surrendered everything. I said, God, you know what? Whatever you ask me, I will follow. Let me tell you this one other thing, and then Christy's going to read a scripture. Follow Jesus long enough. He's going to eventually lead you to a step that you will not want to take. Because it it goes against how you feel. It's going to go against what you know that you know that you know. It goes past, it pushes you past a certain preference or a desire or a vision for your life. And my question to you tonight is this. Do you love Jesus? Or do you love the ideal Jesus? You just love the idea of Jesus loving you, and that's where you want it to be. If that's you, you are in a cycle of robbed, rescue, robbed, rescue. What person in their right mind that was just rescued, and they just got into the lifeboat, would pop on into this lifeboat and say, you know what, this is pretty nice, and then go, I'm going to go for a swim. And jump back in in the shark-infested waters. That's what we do a lot as Christians. <laughs> Me included. Kristen. I was just going to read two scriptures that I found and I looked up during worship. But when we came up with this robbed, rescued, res- restoration, you know, restored, repeat. I was reading the word this winter and I was, you know, just... Simple, but super profound. And if you read Psalms 50, verse 15, it says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. And then if you jump to Psalms 51, 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. And that order, it just like rocked me. And before that, it's the create in me a clean heart, O God, that famous scripture but for me, it's like I had to fully surrender. And, you know, if I can, one thing I want to share about, too, that I've been so challenged upon, like, in this recent season of, like, the grief and the despair that Annie and I have walked through in 2018 into 2019 is, like, you know, 
God calls us, you know, robbed to rescue, to restore, and repeat. And when we say repeat, it's sharing it with other people. And I just think that so often we can walk around like a bunch of Eeyores. Do you guys watch Winnie the Pooh? Like, oh, life's horrible. But isn't it Caillou? Caillou? Oh, I hate Caillou. Caillou. Our kids were like, you're not allowed to watch that show. He is crabby. Have you, you guys are maybe not. No. You'll see it someday, PBS. But like... It's just, and I'm not discrediting, like, you can't be, you can be sad, okay? You can go through hard things. You can, I have gone through depression. I have gone through intense amounts of anxiety where my heart is, like, racing all the time. But I'm just saying, like, God can give you joy, you know? And, like, when, when I got saved, when I gave my life to the Lord, and it was like, I just wanted everyone to know, you know? And maybe, like, think of, maybe you're there and you're like, I don't have that pray for it. Like, or pray with us. Like, we'll help you. Like God wants to give you joy. Like it overflows. It oozes out of you. And I just think like, and if you have a story where God has done that for you, like go back to that, you know, think about it and like ask for it again, because it's not the things of the past. Like God doesn't want me to run my life right now on what he did in 1999 to 2003. It's like there's a whole new season for us right now. And if I've learned anything this year, it's clinging to that, it's claiming it, and it's fighting. Like, God wants us to fight. Like, I am strong, and he has given me, like, the skill set and the characteristics of how to live for him. You know, I have this, I got to share the ring, the boxing ring. (laughs) You do that, you do that. But but I'm not going to laugh about this. They all were like, amen, can't live in 2003. That was when they were born. They weren't even. No, born. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's okay, but they hear me. They hear me. You know, but I'm my joking. biggest thing is like, ask yourself tonight, who is who is your coach? Who is in your corner? Who are your cheerleaders? Who are your people? Like, you cannot do this alone. I cannot say it enough. Like, and if you don't have it, find them. Look in this room and find people. Like, I would not be here today with Andy without people in our corner. And there was this vision I had recently where I was in this boxing ring. I don't box, you know that. But I was in this boxing ring, and I'm, like, boxing. And it's like, if I was boxing Andy right now, and I'm listening, because so many times in my life, I've listened to the stinking naysayers in the upper deck who are never going to step foot into the ring that I'm in, but I'm letting their voices, like, win. Like, Christy, you can't do it. You're just going to screw up again. You're just going to, like, do that. Or you're, like, you're a failure. You lost your cool in the car with your kids again. You know, it's just like, you're going to screw up. You're, you're second best. You, you guys didn't get this. Like, people are judging you or, like, there's commenting on social media or just like it's just the comparison train the negative Nellies and I have listened to them and let too many days slip by and so I had this vision that I'm in the boxing ring and Andy and I are boxing and it's like if you're boxing and he's going for a punch am I and I'm looking up what's going to happen to my face it's going to be smashed and it's like you got to focus like we got to show up every single day and whose voices are we supposed to listen to God. And who's our coach? Where's our coach? Is he in the upper deck or is he in the ring in the corner, in our corner, cheering us on? And that's the voice. And I don't know if you've played sports. I I did. I dabbled in some. But it's like, you know, you're playing on a court. You're playing on a field. You're playing in a rink. And it's, it it is the loudest setting sometimes in a, in a gymnasium. But I don't, you can hear the cheers, 
but you hear your coach through that whole crowd telling you plays. And that is what God wants for our life. It's God and it's your coach. It's your pastors. It's mentors. It's people in your life. And, you know, Andy and I, we really, 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 really value community. And we talk about it all the time. We want to be a place of community. But we're, we have our friends we have people we're pouring into, but we have people pouring into us and we're driving to them. If they're out of town, you go find them. You know, you take them out for a delicious meal or a coffee. But I just, that fighting in the arena, like quit listening to the upper deck people. Okay, now I'll read. So. You want me to read it? This is the deal. Okay, here we go. We all know you want. <laughs> You're driving home. Nope. Uh, Starbucks and Toma. <laughs> We all know that you want to take steps forward. You didn't show up here, the refuge. I mean, some of you, there are some cookies back there. There might be some coffee. You might appreciate that. You have some friends. That's all that all, that all helps. But you're here because you want to take a step with God. Yep. What we want to do is read a scripture here real quickly, and then I want to just kind of break it down on reasons why we don't walk in restoration why we never get to this place of really repeating the salvation that we experienced. And so uh, Christy's going to go ahead and read that scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew. Matthew 13. 13. It's Jesus is sharing a parable to a crowd. Obviously, his his, uh, disciples are alongside. uh, And so he's speaking to the disciples, but he's also speaking to the crowd. So it's Matthew 13. I'm reading verses 3 through 9. The farmer went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell alongside the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky patches where there was not much soil. It sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun had risen, the young plants were scorched. And since their roots were not deep, they dried up. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. But others fell into rich soil and produced grain, a hundred or sixty or thirty times as much as had been sown. Those who have ears, let them hear. Jesus uses parables and he uses them through his ministry. I think they're absolutely brilliant. Because the story will always provide different angles to different people. And I was seeking the Lord here um, years back, and I, and I felt like God, uh, and honestly the Holy Spirit whispered to me, and it's kind of a little bit out of the box. He said, do you realize that you have all four of those in your life, those four types of ground in your life? That at any given point in our life, we may experience that type of scenario. So let me just break it down. The, the farmer sows his seed. Any farmers in the place? Okay. Anybody, anybody got green thumbs? No one? Garden, Garden lovers? <laughs> anybody, like, anybody like eating lettuce? <laughs> Broccoli? <laughs> Well, you have to, okay, let me just educate you a little bit. This is a really, really deep, deep thought. How many of you know that when the farmer sows the seed, he's intentional and in where he throws it? A farmer will never throw seed where he knows it's not going to grow. 
If that's the case, he's not a good farmer. In this story, who is the farmer? Who, who potentially could be the farmer? Well, it could be God. Jesus is sharing this story about how the farmer goes out, and what does he do? He throws the seed, and some happens to land on the path. And I think a lot of times when we read, when we read Scripture, we're like, man, I'm just glad it's not speaking to me. <laughs> or you kind of like take a different angle, and you're like, you know what, yeah, it's talking about the path, but this is more about the birds, and, and the birds are picking up off the, the seeds off. But here, how many of you know that most paths won't grow really great fruit or vegetables? But the loving Father, He comes into your life, and I believe this with all my heart, He throws the seed onto your path. Let me say it another way. He wants to throw the seed onto your plan. And it's up to you and whether or not you're going to surrender that area in your life. You have a vision of how your life's supposed to look. You hope to have 1.5 children and a white picket fence and green grass and a beautiful, uh, amazing um, kitchen with barn board. <laughs> I don't know. Ship lap. Ship lap, okay. Barn board. That's what I, well, okay. Moving on. The Lord is really trying to talk to someone about their barn board. But Jesus wants to come into your scenario, and I said, you follow Jesus long enough, he's eventually going to kind of like maybe press on a certain button or ask you to take a certain step in a different direction. And my question to you as young adults is, God, God been trying to throw seed onto your path and you're blaming the devil because he's picking up that growth and what that investment that God's trying to put in your life. But really all along what it is, is you're so stubborn and you don't want to divert your plan and your path to allow God to grow something beautiful in that place. Okay. For those of you there this morning, you heard about it for eight years. We had planned to take this, had this opportunity to lead this beautiful church in Rochester. It didn't happen. And I can tell you this, if we would have gotten angry and we said, no, God, this is what had to happen, we would not be seeing the fruit that we're seeing today. I didn't articulate this well, but we are super excited. We, at this point, and it's so shortly removed, okay? This is only a few months back. We're like, thank you, Jesus, that you removed our plan and our path, and you are willing to sow your seed there to see a beautiful garden grow in that place. Some of you are not walking. You're having a difficult, you're hitting this wall in life because you refuse to submit and surrender your plan and your path to Jesus. The second scenario, and I've seen this over and over and over, is the seed is thrown on rocky ground, or you know, and, and or, uh, and I, I kind of have this vision of this large slate type of rock. And what happens when it rains? It washes away. Now, I do reseed my grass from time to time, and I'm not a very good farmer, so I throw my seed, and sometimes it goes onto my driveway. How many know that's a big rock? And what do I do? I go get my hose and I go wash it off and I try to send it in the way into the grass. If I hopefully will jump into there and make it a little more plush at the edges. But mostly what happens is the water washes that off and goes down 
the driveway and into the road and into the sewer system. I think that the rocky ground symbolizes difficult times in your life. And so many of us are so fixated on the past and the tragedy and the scenarios that have brought us down and victimized us that we cannot move forward with Jesus today. I'm not telling you to forget the past, but submit the past to God. And say, God, you know what? If I, 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 if I want to be, if you want to cultivate me in that one space, then do it. Here I am. And then lastly, or not, not so much lastly, but the, the third one is the thorny bushes. And I love this one. I just love it. And I love talking to a bunch of young adults. And I loved when Michaela starts talking about money to young adults because y'all have nothing. <laughs> 20 cents, you were like, wow, that's a lot of money. I'm negative. But only like $10 because of the fee the bank put me on. And so, so many times we can read this little mini passage or inscription. We go, well, at least God's not talking to me about it in this, this way. I don't have the deceitful, uh, the, the wealth cannot uh, deter me. But let me suggest to you, maybe God's not talking about financial wealth here. Where are you wealthy? You know where you're wealthy right now, most likely, as a young adult? Your health. You know where else you're really healthy? Probably relationally. For some of you, you have an emotional health. And you know what? You keep leaning on that more than God. It will. You will not see seed of wealth or growth spiritually unless you submit that area to your life. And then it says a good ground. Now let me tell you this. Some of you have come in here like, man, I'm fine. It's really good. I've had the best spiritual, my li- spiritual year of my life. God has been sowing seeds, and I sense it. But guess what? To sow the seed is only the beginning. And even in the best state, in, in the best ground in your life, it's fertile and it's ready for seed. It still will not grow, and you will still need to manage that with the help of Jesus. So if you want to continue to, to step in, I believe, what God has called you to do, then you've got to begin to identify maybe these, pers- these certain areas in your life. And I would say this, I think, towards the end and uh, end of your life, I, I think what God is trying to create is this beautiful garden. And in this garden, there actually is a path. In this garden, there are these huge, monumental rocks. And they aren't rocks that, that like make you remember all the tragedy, but all the victory that you saw through the tragedy. And it's just beautiful, landscaped rock, perfectly placed in your life. And I also see this awesome thorn bush with roses blooming. Because God can even in your wealth be glorified. And in the good ground, a beautiful flower that completes what God is trying to work in you. And thank you, Jesus, that he is not done doing his work until Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christy, any thoughts? 
I just want to say, too, that God doesn't want you to have two gardens. And I know that's abstract, but he doesn't want you to have, like, your church Christian garden and then, like, your garden for, like, everything else. Like, if there's anything I want to, like, drive home tonight, too, is just, like, merge your worlds. You know, like, the refuge and, like, you know, or going home to your family or visiting your friends or where you work. Like, merge your worlds and don't be shy and do it your, you know, do it the way that God's calling you to do it. But like, it's not, you'd be, you're too tired if you keep running from garden to garden and like tending to them. And so just like seek God and like how, how to do that. But I just think that that's one thing that Annie and I have really, like, we haven't separated our life from like ministry or like, you know, being pastors and doing like, even like people are like you when we were in youth ministry or hanging out with people, like you hang out with church people all the time. We have teenagers over, you bring them. I'm like, we just merge our worlds. Like we just include our kids on the journey and we include our, you know, like even with me having a salon in my house, like that was merging my business where they're seeing my family and my kids are saying hi from the window in the backyard. And it's just like, God wants to use you and what you're doing and what he's called you to do for his glory. And, um, another thing I was just thinking about as Andy was talking was, I don't know if this is for anyone in this room, but like, stop beating yourself up for things that you've done in the past. Like God does not, he's not a God of punishment and he's not a God of like, you know, well, you've done too many bad things for me to love you. And I just think that sometimes we get in the way with we're victimized, victimizing ourselves, or, you know, we're telling ourselves we're not good enough. And I had this um, vision uh, when I was in college, and this is again dating me, but go with it. Pretend it's Netflix as I talk. But <laughs> But, like, I had this moment where I was kept repeating that cycle of, being, you know, being robbed and broken to being rescued, and I just could not get past it. And I had this moment where I was praying where I was sitting in my living room with God, and we were both in, like, recliners, and we were watching TV, and it was VHS days. Those are tapes. So watching Netflix, and I just kept hitting pause at my life and then rewind. And I was like watching. It was like a real, a visual reel every day of me watching myself. Like I'd see myself wasted. I'd see myself with these guys. I'd see myself, you know, wanting to cut myself or like the depression and just the things that I was struggling with. And I kept replaying it and like punishing myself for things that I had struggled with. And God was like, enough. And he got up out of the recliner and went to the VHS and hit eject. And it was like, Christy, stop looking in the past because you're missing what I have for you. And you know, there's that repenting and like, God, I surrender all of this. But like, I just want to encourage you guys tonight to stop living in that jail cell of your past or things that you've struggled with. And so I don't know if that's for anyone in this room, but that was a huge life-changing moment for me. Yep. Uh, I would like to conclude. Uh, is Jeff, Jeff here? Uh, go ahead and. You can come up band if you like. He's, which, by the way, you guys know Jeff well. He's like super dad today. He's pretty amazing. <laughs> He's got his boy. It's, it's just brilliant. Um, I want to see him baby wear as he Yes, yes, so baby wear while playing music. Modern dad. <laughs> um, we all come from a state of being robbed. 
Jesus wants to rescue. Thank you, Jesus, that he saves. But he also wants to bring restoration to your life. And I believe restoration starts when we can identify the type of grounds we have in our life and whether or not we give God all of those spaces. And that's what I hope you hear tonight is this idea that no matter where we're at, and Christie's just articulated just, just brilliantly, brilliantly, is this, is it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. The question is, what are you going to do about it today? The farmer sowed seed into your life. And will you say, God, you know what? I'm willing to take a step-by-step, small-step approach to say, God, refine me and restore me. The last little verse I just want to talk about, we mentioned repeat. Is a lot of us, we can get into what we call the echo chamber, or we can get this another cycle, and that's the cycle of robbed rescue and restoration. And a lot of us, we get to that place of where we're restored. But if you're restored for too long and you don't buy into the rescue mission that God's calling you to go on, you become jaded. You become angry at the church that you attend because it's not what it used to be. You start judging everybody else around you thinking like disappointed because they're not at the spiritual state that you think they should be. I had shared this story of, I've shared this story on a few occasions. Imagine you're shipwrecked and you're at a sea and you know, you're in the sea and you're just swimming and you're, you're crying out for help. Someone comes up and they put you on the lifeboat. And I had mentioned already, a lot of us, we think that that lifeboat is just like exactly, who, like we think that whoever saved us is just so awesome and we love them. And again, we love the idea that Jesus saves, but Jesus doesn't want to leave you in the lifeboat. He wants to bring you back to the harbor where there's healing. You can work on some of the baggage that you're carrying and that's loading you down and bring you into full restoration. But the problem is, as many of us, you know what we do? We create this resort of sorts at the harbor because it's a beautiful view. And it's a yacht club. This is where we get our tan. This is where we get the best coffee and the best donuts. And that's what I'm saying is sometimes we just get to this place. We're so angry and so disappointed in everything else and how church is and what it isn't. Because we forget the idea that God is calling you back into the rescue. That he's now equipped you to jump into that, that, that rescue boat and go to the sea and to save those who are lost and who are robbed and who are crying out like Christy did like I did, say, God, save us, and they need someone like you. When God called Abraham, Abram, and said, I want you to be the father of many nations, this is what he said in verse 12 of Genesis. He says this is paraphrased, but pretty much the point. Get yourself out of your country, away from your kinsmen and your father's house, and go into the land. And then he said this, I will show you. Okay. I will God's saying, I will. Everybody say, amen. Amen. I will make you a great nation. Come on, everybody, let's hear it for the I will. will. Yes. 
Thank you, Jesus. You're going to make, make me a great nation. I will bless you. Everybody say yes. yes. Bless me. I will make your name great. It's, these are all great ideas. And if we get so caught up in this restoration and this rescue and, and we were once robbed and we stop there, we don't continue to read because the very next scripture says this, you are to be a blessing. <laughs> you get that? I'm going to read this again. I will show you, I will make you, I will bless you, and I will make your name great for you to be a blessing. A lot of us were like, no, but I like the I will. I like the part where you do it, God. It's so much easier. But then he flips it at the beginning of our faith. As we know it, he's telling Abraham, but then you are to be a blessing. And then he goes on this, and I love this. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. And the retaliation culture that we live in, I, people love this. I will curse those who curse you. Oh, amen. You fight my battles, Lord. I love it. I love it. Preach it, Lord. But you know what he follows up this? He says, but by you, all families of the earth will be blessed. The people in this church, in this room, you are so blessed. Jacob, you're blessed. You may not have much, but you're blessed. And I'm telling you, church, we can't get to this place where we have plenty, and then that's when we start giving. God is calling you. He's blessing you. He wants to make your name, name great. He's put dreams into your heart. It's not for you. So that the families of this earth will be blessed through you. You were once robbed. You were rescued. You're in the process of restoration. No, oh, by the way, you don't need to be fully restored to jump back into that yacht boat, yacht, yacht, or the yacht or the rescue boat and to go save. Now be careful. Have your coach. Understand what you can and cannot do. God has called us to a mission of rescue. Jesus, tonight, Jesus, tonight, start identifying Jesus, identify Holy Spirit, identify in each and each and every one of us what area in our life we need cultivation. What areas of our life do we need some attention? Holy Spirit, what are those areas in our life not only do you want to plant seeds, but you want to water it? And that you want to bring growth. Got to specifically tonight, I just sense, and uh, I'm talking to you, I'm not praying anymore. Those in the crowd, there's some of you that you've had such traumatic experiences in your life, it's hard for you to move forward. God, if that's you, very boldly, will you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I have gone through some dirt, and it's holding me back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
For those that raise your hand, would you be bold enough? Will you come up? And I'm not going to have you tell everybody what you went through, but I just, I feel like Christy and I just want to take a few moments and pray for you. So if that's if you raise your hand and like, no, man, I've gone through some dirt and I need God. I, I need some healing, supernatural healing in my life. So I no longer look at a rock as the obstacle or as the issue, but now I see it as a landmark in my life. If that's you. Will you stand up right now? Come on, in front of everybody. If you need healing from God, just stand up. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand and you're like, no, okay, I didn't want to, but I get it. Chris, you go ahead and down. thank you for their boldness. God, thank you for their audacity. God, I thank you that for some of these individuals that they're fed up. They're just simply fed up and being in the cycle. In fact, there's some of you that are still sitting. You know that you've been in the robbed and rescue cycle and you're, you also need in very strict boldness and stepping out physically to, to, to just go ahead and, and, and show to the world that you're serious about following Jesus out of the grave in which he found you and you're done with the cycle. I want you to stand up and come to the front and receive prayer. Not because there's anything special about Andy and Christy, but there's everything special about you stepping out of the land that you're comfortable and saying, God, I want to go forward into the future that you have for me. And I know that I got to surrender my own comfort level here in this church because if I can't do it here, I ain't going to do it out there. And for the rest of us, Jesus, no matter what ground we have, I just ask that you'd be a God that cultivates us. God, never give us the idea that it's us cultivating. God, it's us surrendering so that you might do your work and your mighty hand would go ahead and bring life where there's death. In Jesus' name. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.